Hello, everyone. This is Sal. Welcome to the Bitcoin Taxes podcast. Each episode, we speak to an expert with knowledge related to cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. Our guests all have a unique perspective or expertise on these topics. The goal of our podcast is to provide information to our listeners about new and existing applications of these rapidly emerging spaces. Our guest today is Alex Kugelman. This is Alex's second time on the show. Alex is a tax controversy lawyer who specializes in cryptocurrency and IRS audits. Alex is here to discuss the recent IRS educational letters that were sent out to over 10,000 cryptocurrency users. Thanks for being here today, Alex. Thanks, Alex. Good to be here. For listeners who aren't familiar with you from our last discussion, um, can you give us a little bit of background about yourself, Alex? Uh, sure. As you said, I'm a tax controversy attorney. I worked uh, clerked for a U.S. District Court judge and U.S. Tax Court judge and uh, you know, exclusively practice in uh, tax controversy, which means representing uh, U.S. taxpayers with issues with the IRS. And you've been dealing with crypto for a few years now, right? Yeah, I started in 2017. And what got me really interested was actually this, the IRS summons issued to Coinbase that kind of has led us to this podcast here today. Right. And yeah, let's jump right into those letters that were recently sent out um, from the IRS to people that were part of that Coinbase summons from a couple of years ago. Yeah. And essentially what this is, so there's basically three different letters, uh, fairly similar, uh, letter 6173, letter 6174, and letter 6174A that were sent out to um, Coinbase uh, account holders uh, for the years 2013 through 2015. As a result of that summons that the IRS sent to Coinbase, uh, essentially Coinbase and the IRS agreed on a certain um, kind of threshold, and that means about 13,000 or so account holders' information, including name, social security number, and trading data uh, was provided to the IRS. Um, the IRS is now sending uh, letters to those taxpayers or most of those taxpayers, and that's been confirmed if you if you go on the IRS's or call the IRS's uh, um the hotline regarding these letters uh, that, that these are in fact those people that are being affected. Okay. And you mentioned the three different types of letters. Do you want to talk about the difference between each of these letters? Sure. Yeah. So each of the letters kind of the, the basic um, thrust is that the IRS has information that, you know, the recipient um, had some cryptocurrency account uh, and may not have fully reported gains or losses from the activity. So essentially, it's the 6174, 6174A, and the 6173 essentially are predicated on that. And the 6174A is what's been termed or people have described as a soft notice, um, kind of just putting people on notice of what the tax reporting obligations are. Um, the 6174A is a little bit more um, direct, um, but the 6173, from my perspective, is the letter to be taken most seriously by a recipient because it requires a response. It has a response date of about, from what I can tell, of one month from the date of the letter. Um, and so those are, those are essentially the, the differences between those letters. Okay, yeah. So the first, the first two, the 6174 and the 6174A, are basically saying, hey, you do have to pay taxes on cryptocurrency transactions. Um, you know, double check what you did. See if you did pay the taxes. You know, no response required, but we're just letting you know you do have to pay taxes. 6173, however, is saying, hey, we see that you did some cryptocurrency transactions and you didn't pay taxes on some of those cryptocurrency transactions. Give us a response. Let us know what's going on. File a return. Are, are people supposed to file a, an amended return or are they just supposed to contact them to find out more information? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. So I think all the notices essentially 
you know, it's essentially require if, if the taxpayer has not reported the gains or losses, then he or she does need to file either an amended return or a return. And even like the 6174 letters, you know, ask that you write, you know, letter 6174A and have special filing instructions if you're going to do that. Hmm. Um, the difference is if you receive the 6174 and you've already fully reported your, um, your uh, cryptocurrency gains and losses, you're not concerned about it. And there really is no action to take. You just kind of, um, you know, wait and see if, if you get further contact from the IRS. Uh, for the 6173, there is, a, like I said, that response date. And, you know, what, what is kind of a little bit, um, you know, concerning is that if you're not going to file an amended return or file an original return, um, then the IRS asks that you respond under penalty of perjury that you fully reported the items. And, and that, that can be somewhat troubling from my perspective because, you know, that, that obviously by verifying that if it's inaccurate or untruthful, then there's a, you know, very easy argument for the IRS that maybe the, uh, the taxpayer is acting willfully and kind of not reporting, um, taxable gains. Which kind of puts people in a tough spot considering that we still don't have full regulations and rules and guidelines for cryptocurrency transactions, all the different taxable events or what we assume are taxable events, we still don't have full guidelines. So somebody may think that they are fully complying when in reality they aren't. Yeah, I mean, I think a really good example of that would be people who thought or believed that they were taking um, like kind exchange treatment uh, for trades, for altcoin trades and never reported anything let's let's say let's say they do their own return and they think i'm, I'm going to do like kind exchange they don't actually file the correct forms or, or disclose that on the return itself well in reality the objective the objective view of that return is that you've just omitted all of those trades mm -hmm. um so that's why if you get this 6173 letter i think you really want to take it seriously you want to get a competent and experienced um, tax professional to help you kind of figure out what what was your level of compliance um, and, the, and the most appropriate way to respond. Probably for a lot of people, it's going to be amending returns, um, you know, it, it, as the IRS has requested. And uh, speaking of guidelines, this notice does actually provide a little bit of information. Do you want to talk about what the letter kind of does tell us? Sure. Um, I think the first thing, I mean, obviously, well, obviously the, the letter itself goes over the basics of cryptocurrency tax reporting, which is originally outlined in IRS notice 2014-21. You can Google that and it'll have a FAQ. Um, and it kind of outlines those, those, uh, those, those general principles. Two, um, I noticed that in this letter that for the first time, in, in my knowledge, the IRS explicitly says that altcoin trades are taxable events. Um, I think you know, most professionals already believe that to be the case based on the way that the notice talks about exchanges of property being taxable events. Um, but here it's saying, you know, for the example I use here is trading Bitcoin for Ethereum mm -hmm. um, is a taxable event. So that's, that's nice to have at least some uh, additional guidance. Um, it does point out, at least in the notice I've seen about that trades, whether they're pursuant to US tax, US exchanges or foreign exchanges, regardless, they're all taxable events. Um, and so you wanna keep that in mind as you're doing your accounting. And I think probably the, the last thing that I really see in this notice that's not specifically tax, you know, guidance on how to report the tax, but is that this letter is issued uh, 
by the IRS's offshore unit, which is an experienced unit that kind of oversaw um, kind of compliance with foreign accounts over the last decade or so. And that's significant from my perspective because this is a unit that's actually fairly well you know, experienced with the big compliance campaigns and also would have the kind of expertise in, in uh, taking on such a, a, a large um, compliance initiative with, with thousands of taxpayers. Interesting. So it does seem like they're ramping things up. I mean, the IRS is clearly letting people know if you're trading crypto, you have to pay taxes on it. It is what it is. You do have to pay taxes. And if you don't pay taxes on your cryptocurrency transactions, you're going to likely get in some sort of trouble or have to pay a fine, just like if you didn't pay your regular taxes, your, your fiat taxes. Yeah, no, that, that's true. And I, I think what's kind of interesting here, there's, there's kind of two, I think I would imagine there's probably two goals of, of, what, of this letter or these letters. So one is, you know, for the group of people who actually receive the letters is to get them, each of them to address any outstanding issues, kind of what, you know, term voluntary compliance to kind of get as many people, um, you know, in compliance with all tax, oblig tax reporting obligations. The second, which I think has actually been really effective, is to spread this, spread these news, you know, to a wider audience. Which, if you go on Reddit or you watch, you know, you, the, any sort of uh, news or read news, I mean, this was all over the internet on Friday, um, and that's exactly how the IRS does, you know, does motivate people to kind of comply with tax laws, which is to get the word out and to get people's get people thinking, all right, now I have to really kind of take this, this issue seriously. Yeah, especially because anything official from the IRS regarding cryptocurrency is so few and far between. So I feel like when something does come out that is official about cryptocurrency from the IRS, it really does get people talking because it's like, when was the last time we heard anything from the IRS officially, right, about cryptocurrency? It's been a while. And so when you do get something, it's like, okay. And this something is, hey, you have to pay taxes on it. And as I've probably said to every podcast guest that I've had, there's always those people that say you don't have to pay taxes on cryptocurrency. And this clearly goes against that idea. And hopefully those people will, will change their tune a little bit and understand that this is serious stuff and uh, you just don't want to mess with the IRS in general. Yeah. And I think, I think each person who owns cryptocurrency has to make their own decision. And I, I think from the IRS's perspective, it's very clear um, what, what each taxpayer's obligation is. Yep. Okay. So Alex, there are varying levels of cryptocurrency users and traders. Some people just buy crypto, they invest, they hold their cryptocurrency. And, you know, some people have gains, some people have losses, some people have a small amount of transactions, a lot of transactions. Let's talk about some of those scenarios. What does it mean for people that don't have any sales of cryptocurrency? Uh, what does this letter mean for those types of people? So for, for those types of people who just uh, just purchased and, and held on to it, what you want to do is just keep good data, good records, um, but you really don't have anything to do. Um, if you got the 6173, then you would respond. Um, you could respond that you don't have any taxable uh, gains or losses or tax reporting for those years, but pretty much get your records together and just kind of hunker down. Okay. And just want to clarify too. I mean, I still see this confusion a lot, at least in like Reddit and even customers on, on Bitcoin taxes. Um, trading cryptocurrency for another cryptocurrency is a sale of cryptocurrency. So if you trade some Bitcoin for some Ethereum, 
that's the same thing as selling Bitcoin. So I think people need to realize that there, there are some people that don't understand that still. Um, so keep that in mind. Make sure you haven't actually sold anything. Absolutely. All right. Obviously, last year wasn't great for crypto in general in terms of profits and losses. So people who had net losses, how should they take this letter? Um, yeah. So if, if you had net losses, and, I, and I, I've gotten this question a couple of times, um, you know, essentially the, the taxpayer made a bunch of trades, ultimately came out on the, with the, on the short end of the stick and had losses. Um, and didn't report anything because they don't have any additional tax owed. Um, subjectively, that might be true, but ob- objectively, that's a major problem because if you if the if the data provided by the exchange shows a certain number of of uh, taxable events or sales, um, it's not clear from that data that there's going to be basis that exceeds what the what the sales price is, meaning that you have a loss. So that's why, you know, if you sell any sort of capital asset, cryptocurrency or stock or your home or anything, um, you have, you report the, the gross proceeds or the sales price, you report the basis or that's the cost. Um, and then there's a net figure and that's where you get that net gain or net loss. So for people that are, that are in that boat, I would highly recommend that they amend returns to report um, net gains or net losses. And so you're actually, showing each of the transactions and, and, what, and how you arrive at that figure. Okay. And, and the same kind of goes for this next scenario for somebody that maybe just traded Bitcoin two or three times in a year, they didn't do too much trading. They only have a few transactions. Is that the same kind of advice? Like just report it just to be safe or? Yeah. I mean, I mean, you're asking a tax compliance attorney, right? So you know, <laughs> what, you know what I'm going to say. But, right. And I agree with you. Well, I, I think at this point, I mean, this, especially if you got the letter, every single client that I ever um, advise, you know, there's always kind of a, a cost benefit analysis. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's what this, I think this person in this situation is doing, right? Is it worth spending the money or the time for this, you know, relatively small amount of um, gain or loss just to report that, you know, there might be times where, you know, it's a really old tax year or it's an item that's just kind of the IRS would probably never go into um, but here, I mean, from my perspective, you're now part of a pool of certain taxpayers that has a lot of scrutiny, okay? And you can presume that a lot of people are going to, you know, spend time, spend money to amend their returns or file missing returns. And it's, that will probably reduce their audit risk, right? And for anybody who's ever been audited by the IRS, they understand it's kind of a stressful and frustrating experience. Um, can take a lot of time. If you hire somebody, it can be really expensive. So if, if it were me, I think I would kind of go above and beyond at this point to kind of over-report or just do everything I possibly can to show the IRS, hey, I really didn't have substantial gains or losses, and you have all the information that you need now to determine that. Yeah, right. And I agree completely with you. And I feel like for most people listening, they're probably somewhat familiar with our software, you know, Bitcoin taxes. And if you just have a few trades, it's inexpensive. It's not difficult to just add your data in and to get the results, export the proper form. It, It could really take you 30 minutes to do. So, I mean, if you're doing a cost benefit analysis of how much time it's going to take you, it's not rocket science all of the time. If you have the right tools, 
to calculate your cryptocurrency um, capital gains or losses. It's not rocket science. It's not the most difficult thing on earth. If you have the right tools or if you have the right uh, tax professional that you're working with, it, it, it could be inexpensive and it, it may not take all of your time. So factor that into your cost benefit analysis for sure. All right. So I want to move into the questions that we had. Uh, we had quite a few questions from our users and our listeners. So I'm going to jump into those questions now. Okay. Yep. Our first question comes from our, an email. Um, this person says, I mined maybe 100 Bitcoins back in 2013, 2014, but mostly stopped as it became too expensive to continue to mine. I lost money mining, buying equipment, equipment that never got delivered, plus huge electricity bills. The net gain is tiny in my case. However, the issue is with records. I never kept records of electricity expenses. Long ago, I changed credit cards that I used to buy the gear. I know for sure in those days, more was spent mining than was earned. So what would you say, there's a lot of people obviously that did mine crypto back in the heyday and they didn't report anything and they don't have any records. So for somebody like this, what do you have to say? Yeah, well, I mean, so first of all, just, I mean, I mean, generally, so if you're a miner, you're, you're operating kind of, a, the IRS views that as a small business where you file a Schedule C, um, the, the, the coins that you mined would be kind of the gross revenue or income of the business and then like any other business, you can deduct reasonable, um, ordinary and necessary business expenses like your electricity or your um, hardware. So the, the issue that, that's being raised here is a lack of records, which is really, really typical both of um, you know, early adopter activity, um, mining activity, but also just generally um, of normal businesses, right? There's a lot of people out there who operate businesses that don't have a bookkeeper or CPA and they, um, you know, end up having, you know, kind of a tough time figuring out what the net figure is. Mm. Here's what I would recommend. Okay. So number one, you got to figure out, and it sounds like you already have, um, the total amount of, of cryptocurrency or Bitcoin that you might. Okay. Um, that's important because at some point if you traded or sold those, now you have, you know, a second step of um, determining your, your capital gains or, or losses from that activity. Um, so in determining your gross revenue, you're kind of helping figure out your capital gains and, and losses. As far as your expenses, um, you know, it, to me, and when I deal with this issue, I, my, my advice is this. Um, it's obvious from the fact that you're reporting the revenue that you were engaged in the business, okay? And finding a reasonable method to um, estimate the cost of the business, uh, the cost of the expenses is what I would what I'd recommend here. Um, for example, um, if you know that you purchased a certain type of computer or, 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 um, or other kind of, uh, kind of supplies, you can estimate that amount. And you know, as far as electricity, you can estimate a reasonable amount. Um, you should hopefully can have some sort of record or some sort of recollection of what that was. In doing so, I would add a statement explaining what you're doing, that essentially that you were a miner, you didn't keep records of that information, you've estimated uh, the expenses based on that. Now, could the IRS come back and audit you on you know, claiming $2,000 for hardware? Sure, that's possible, but it doesn't seem to be the primary concern of the IRS here. And reality, you know, what I think the benefit of doing that is, is that you know, the tax returns, especially for cryptocurrency, um, uh, investors or traders, tax returns are kind of telling a story year in, year out of what you're doing. 
Um, and so for you in amending that return and reporting it, you're saying, hey, here's how I got my uh, initial Bitcoin. Um, I'm recognizing the fair market value as my basis to the mining activity. I'm paying, you know, schedule, I'm paying uh, uh, income and self-employment income tax on the net amount of that. And then I'm moving forward. This is the Bitcoin that I have and the crypto that I have and how I traded it. it it's a pretty tight package. And if anybody ever takes it, you ever get audited, then you've, you've kind of told the story from day one. And that's, I think, is really, really important in any sort of kind of um, reporting a cryptocurrency. And actually, that's probably the biggest thing I took away from the last time we spoke was the idea of attaching written statements to kind of explaining your situation because there isn't great guidance right now. So attaching a statement and kind of justifying why you did something, in my opinion, seems a lot more powerful and will protect you a little bit more than just sending in raw numbers because there's no explanation with raw numbers. It's just, here's what I did. Here's my numbers. Here's what I paid. Here's what I owe. With an explanation, it seems like you're giving a lot more information and it just seems like such a great idea in any kind of tax return if you're questioning anything to kind of attach a informational statement. I think that's a, a great idea. Yeah, and you just, you just want to make sure, I mean, and part of it is just you're demonstrating that you're being reasonable in doing it. I mean, obviously you don't want to claim every single expense that's not business related and kind of generate these fake losses. I mean, that would be a, a disaster right. in the situation, but- in reality, I mean, the person looking at this return is looking for outliers and looking for things that are inconsistent with the data that, that the IRS has. Right. And, and for the electricity part of this question, I mean, generally, I believe you should. I mean, obviously, your mileage is going to vary for, for whatever electricity company you have. But most places, you can probably get your records. You can probably either call them up or just go online and say, hey, what were my bills in 2013? Can you send me my bills for 2013? And then you can figure out what percentage of you know, electricity was for mining or whatever. So it, it doesn't seem like it's impossible to get at least electricity records, in my opinion. Yes, I think there's a lot of documentation. I mean, we talked about this in the last podcast. There's a lot of documentation that people don't really realize is will substantiate what they did or didn't do. Right. Yeah, um, like you said, like credit, credit card statements, stuff. bank yeah. statements, you know, um, you know, and also too, I mean, that, that type of issue, you know, as far as, you know, reconstructing a business activity, you don't need someone who is a cryptocurrency expert to help you figure out what's a reasonable amount there or how to, you know, how, how to approach that. Right. That's just um, like a regular tax situation small yeah. business, whatever it is, or even if you're like an independent contractor, you would deal with something like that. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, other part is, I mean, I think it's um, probably the most important part for, for that miner, I think, I mean, is, is again, a complete ledger of, of when the coins are mined. So that way you can apply fair market value and determine what the gross, the gross revenue was for the, for the mining business. All right. So let's see our next question here again from email. So this person says, uh, searching online, I have noticed that many people who have supposedly filed their taxes correctly, including myself and even people who have used a tax accountant, are receiving the 6174A letter. Receiving the 6174 soft notice would be somewhat understandable just to give people a heads up on how to report. But I guess my question is, why are so many people receiving the 6174A, which sounds like a warning you may have done something wrong if they have done their taxes correctly? Is this just a blanket statement they sent to people who trade over a certain threshold and they haven't even looked at individual tax returns for discrepancies? Um, yeah, so my, my, the, the way that I interpret the notice is I don't believe, at least with the 6174A and the 6174, 
I don't believe the IRS has compared data um, with the tax returns with respect to the the, the recipient of, of the of each letter. Okay, mm-hmm. um, I think that they're sending it to everybody you know who's all the taxpayers they can identify in that uh, in the Coinbase um, or the information provided by Coinbase from the summons. Um, but I think to a certain extent, it's this is a very kind of cost-effective way for the IRS to get a big group of taxpayers to take a second look and to spur voluntary compliance. And I think that's I mean, what's important for anybody for you is that you want to take a second look, a good hard look. And if you did already fully report it, um, then like I said, you kind of wait and see if anything comes of it. Um, you know, I think for people who haven't reported, I think the one little, you know, one thing to think about here is that if you do put in the time and effort now to amend these returns, I, I personally believe that you will have a reduced chance of audit um, in the future because it makes sense that if they sent this letter to 10,000 people and, you know, 7,000 amend returns, well, now there's about 3,000 that haven't done anything. That's probably where I would start looking. Yeah, absolutely. Right. It, you're um, right. It's it's an effective way to do things. You're you're absolutely right. And maybe it is a blanket statement for now, the the first two, the softer notices, but that's for now. Because if if you're in that group of three thousand people that doesn't respond, that's when it's not gonna be a soft notice after that. That's when you're gonna get audited and you know, they're giving you a chance, it seems like. Not to put the IRS on a pedestal or anything. It's certainly just an effective way to do things, but they are giving people a chance. It seems like right now to just do it themselves, maybe avoid uh, as many penalties. Yeah. And, and just one more thought here. So for, for, if I was the person who wrote that question, I'd be thinking, well, great. So I've already amended my return. I'm not going to respond to this notice. Now, am I in the group of 3000, right? Am I, am I, if I now by effectively taking the position, that I fully reported it. Um, my thought would be this is that, Typically, if the IRS is going to then cull through people to figure out who to audit, select for exam, and who not to select for exam, they probably, at that point, are going to start reconciling some returns. And if you have done a good job of reporting this information on the returns you've already filed, that should be apparent on the return, right? That should be apparent that you've reported all the trades that were in the, were in the, uh, the Coinbase information or Coinbase data. Um, and so you should be in, in a relatively good position still. Right. Absolutely. All right. Let's see. Our next question is from Reddit. This person says, I bought 0.25 Bitcoin for 500 US dollars last year. Then it forked and now have 0.25 Bitcoin and 0.25 Bitcoin cash. All this has been sitting in my Coinbase account. Do I need to worry about paying taxes for this even if I haven't touched it since then? So kind of a, a question we've discussed before. Um, me and you talked a little bit about this and there's a couple different opinions on it, but what do you uh, have to say to this person? Uh, yeah, I mean, a couple of things. I mean, one, the, the purchase of the Bitcoin, there's no taxable event yet if you've never traded that. Next question is, was there, you know, is there income as a result of the fork? Um, there's two schools here. Um, if you're concerned about it, sure, you could amend it and, um, you know, report the fair market value at the time of the fork. Um at the same time, I mean, this is a relatively small amount and we still don't have guidance from the IRS, which would, you know, which we think is coming shortly. Um, and so if I were you, probably what I would do is kind of monitor the IRS guidance on this uh, for, uh, you know, question of whether a fork uh, results in income. 
And if the IRS in the future comes out and says, yes, it believes it does, then I probably amend. If it says no, then you're kind of fine. Right. And like you said, there's a couple schools of thought here. I, I mean, I would say to make sure if you at some point utilize that Bitcoin cash, which a lot of people have utilized their forked income, as soon as you utilize it, I think then it probably is less of a question, right? I mean, if you're utilizing it, then at that point, it's, it's likely you're going to have to claim it as income because you're going to need a fair market value to calculate the cost basis of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, I guess too, if you were to change that question and say, you know, instead of 0.25 Bitcoin, it was 25 Bitcoin. And, you know, as a result of that, then I would probably look at it a little bit differently. Um, you know, to the extent of you want to be more conservative. And the other thing too is, you know, we're talking about someone in 2017. It's a small amount. It doesn't sound to be someone responding to a notice. But let's say that's true for, let's say that's the same person, but they also did get the notice and they had a whole bunch of trades in 2013, 14, and 15. Well, at that point, now you're talking about a number of years, probably a lot of activity. Um, and so you probably do really want to address that. And, you know, from a, a risk reduction standpoint, might be better to, um, you know, realize the income from the fork. It all depends on if you want to be better safe than sorry. I mean, that's really all it is. If you want to be safe, again, that's always my advice, better safe than sorry. And I, I, I know, and I've said this before, it's easier said than done, especially if somebody owes a lot of money that they haven't paid and they don't have that money. It's certainly easier said than done to be better safe than sorry. But the fact is, <laughs> if you're conservative about things and you, and you send in the information and you have to pay a few extra bucks, at least you're not going to get a bigger fine down the road. Yeah, and I mean, I, 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 mean, I think also just generally – you know, I, I see a lot of clients who they're motivated by the fact that they are kind of living in fear or panic uh, or have panic about, you know, the issue or the item, right? And so part of it just depends on each individual taxpayer, right? What, what, is, their, what is their level of um, risk tolerance? Um, you know, I'm not, sitting, I'm not advocating not to amend your returns if you've unreported gains, but if you have kind of a tweener issue like that, like fork income, um, it's not unreasonable that there, I mean, there is a, there is some argument that that's not income at the time. Um, and you could sit back and, and kind of wait to see what happens and wait for further guidance. Other people, they just I mean literally cannot sleep at night. <laughs> and so if that's the case, it's like at what cost, you know, what, what, what is it worth to, to, you know, to, to not be able to kind of, um, you know, live your life without the stress of this, you know? So that, that's something I think everybody should at least think through on how they kind of approach it. All right. Those were some of the questions we received from social media and from Reddit. So for you, where do people go from here? So six months down the line for somebody that got this notice, what's going to happen? What, what do you see and what can you say for that, uh, for those people? Um, well, I mean, I think generally uh, we can expect the IRS to start issuing audit notices to certain people in this group. I, I don't know. I, I really don't have any clue at this point whether that will be um, – you know, the, the number of people that will get those notices. But certainly if you got this initial letter, you know, you want to keep an eye on, um, on the mailbox. I mean, certainly this is, this is kind of simple, but make sure if you move that you update your address. Mm -hmm. um, you certainly want to keep your records. Um, but I, I think that the IRS will engage in a you know, fair amount of audits. Uh, I would imagine that the IRS will start kind of, as they develop skills and kind of it's, you know, you know, the, the audits that I've, I've dealt with with cryptocurrency, the examiners were not particularly, they had not been trained yet. 
Mm-hmm. And so I think that we can expect that that the kind of knowledge that at the that certain units of the IRS have um, regarding cryptocurrency, I think that'll start to spread out, um, um, you know, to what, what are known as field offices or your local office, um, so that these issues can be handled more more uh, by, by your average kind of um, IRS auditor. Um, I think moving forward, we'll also get more guidance. And I think you'll start to see that, I mean, hopefully it would be nice if the IRS specifically gave guidance, not only as the correct tax reporting, but maybe simplified, you know, some of the forms or some of the reporting so that for people doing their returns on their own, it's not overly complicated. You don't have to include, you know, thousands of lines of trades to be able to report this stuff. Um, And I think in very limited cases, we're going to see some criminal, I think my understanding is there already is some criminal um, prosecutions related to cryptocurrency. Um, And I think I said last time, but, you know, typically criminal enforcement, it usually has some component of notoriety. So if you're someone of a high profile, um, you know, either celebrity or some sort of uh, uh, high profile just in in the industry, um, I, I would be, I'd be aware of that because that's a factor that can make a case, um, you know, go from civil to criminal. Right. Cause like, like we were talking about earlier, I mean, it's an effective tactic, right? Like just like sending out this letter, even though the letter was only sent out to 13,000 people, a hell of a lot more than 13,000 people have heard about it at this point. So just like if you, uh, prosecute a high profile crypto trader, or crypto user, uh, that's going to put the fear of God, I guess, in a lot of uh, regular crypto traders and crypto users. So it's an effective tactic, obviously. So. Yeah. And I mean, and, and it certainly puts everybody on notice of what the basic tax reporting requirements are. And, and if you allow me just to kind of, can I, can I put together a little conspiracy that I, that I've kind of, please, please. Okay. <laughs> I, but think, think about this, right? So, you know, on one hand, Coinbase turned over information with respect to 13,000 or 14,000 or so taxpayers. Okay. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the reality is, is this, is that a, a summons issued to a third party by the IRS is nearly impossible to stop. Okay. And Coinbase in some ways did a real service to its account holders by challenging that in district court. Cause I don't think Coinbase really thought it was going to win, but it was, kind of signaling to its taxpayer, to its account holders that, hey, the IRS is asking for this. And it gave everybody kind of a two-year head start on complying or compliance efforts, right? If you look at the, the privacy policy of most U.S. exchanges, mm-hmm. um, at least the ones I've looked at, it explicitly states, you know, that it, it won't share information with marketers, yada, yada, but it will turn over information for um, legal obligations. Mm-hmm. And some are more specific than others. So if the IRS issues a summons to, let's just say, another major U.S. exchange, it's not a guarantee that that exchange will go to U.S. District Court and try and fight that summons. Right. It may be public, which means it's possible that there are other exchanges that have provided information already um, or will. Um, and especially considering that, you know, everyone knows all the scrutiny going on over what Facebook, Libra, and, you know, the goals of a lot of these exchanges become mainstream. So they're going to comply with regulators and help regulators as best they can um, so that they are, are in, you know, kind of good graces with the U S government and, you know, are, are more likely to get the approvals that the exchange need to kind of grow and become a bigger business. Right. I don't want to be like all spooky or kind of, but that, that's my conspiracy here is I, I think that there's probably other summons out there 
that either have already gone out or are going to go out at some point. And so, you know, it's just, again, this is kind of, uh, I, I sh this should, this should be a, a kind of a bellwether moment for compliance for cryptocurrency. It's funny that you said you don't want to be spooky because I'm sure there'll, there will be at least one Reddit user who uh, calls that fear mongering because uh, they call these letters fear mongering. And I, I would disagree. I don't think it is fear mongering. I mean, I think regarding what you said, it would be interesting in my opinion to see that cost benefit analysis of, Hey, we want to be an exchange that everybody uses, but we want to comply with the U S government. So is it within their best interest to disclose that to their users like Coinbase did, or is it better to kind of not say anything to their users and then eventually their users will likely find out. So does that screw them over in the future? And people are like, Hey, we can't trust this exchange. They handed our info over to the IRS. Um, wouldn't they have to alert their customers that were affected or is there no, I'm not sure of the legality of that. Is there no rule that they have to alert customers if they've uh, sent their information to the IRS? Um, I don't know the answer to that question. I mean, I know that most of these exchanges are AML KYC compliant, right? So mm -hmm. to be able to kind of get access to the exchange, you've already provided that information. And I, again, I was looking through the user agreements last night about this, you know, and it seemed to me pretty clear that you're kind of consenting mm -hmm to, you know, any legal obligation. I didn't, I didn't really think, or I didn't look and see if there was a kind of a, we will provide you notice, but certainly Coinbase did, you know, which I think was, yeah. you know, I think was a, was a, was a, a good step. And I think certainly an exchange should, but I don't know if there's any guarantee on that. Right. And it was almost a win-win for Coinbase the way you frame it anyway, because it, you know, they let their customers know, but they also looked like, you know, good guy Coinbase who, Hey, we gave you a heads up. We fought for you guys. We still had to do it, but we gave you a heads up and we tried to, you know, we were in your corner. Yeah. And I don't think, I mean, really, I don't think Coinbase could have done any more to be frank with you. Right. The more, the more that I've kind of thought about that and, and the way that the way that it approached it, I think that was a really, um, you know, helpful to its clients to say, Hey, look, this, this is the direction we're going. Yeah. That's a great point. I think what's for me clear about what's going to happen here is that you have the IRS's offshore unit and the way that the IRS's offshore unit prosecuted all the Swiss banks and Cayman Island banks and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. that, or the way that it kind of proceeded in those cases is that treasury had agreements or basically leaned on their counterparts in other, in other countries. And then essentially those counterparts then would go down to the financial financial institutions and say, look, you know, we're, we're kind of complying with U.S. law here and we're going to make sure that you do. And you have two options. One is you either provide us, you know, the U.S. taxpayer information you have or we're going to really come down hard on you. And so a lot of the banks, what they did is just provide, they basically provided information to um, the IRS via Department of Treasury and the counterpart. Um, it would notify, you know, the, usually the account holders, but I mean, like finance to me is like a great example of if the IRS ever got, you know, the authorities to kind of agree, I mean, there might be a lot of information there. And I don't, so I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's particularly, particularly well thought out to think, oh, I'm going to go to a foreign exchange and never report anything. That, that to me seems to be more problematic, you know, just kind of delaying the inevitable. Yeah. No matter what exchange you use, it's, it's possible that if the data already hasn't been given over to the U.S. government, that it, it could be very likely given over. And they're definitely going to target those popular exchanges first. And, you know, maybe you'll go to a less popular exchange, but 
eventually, you know, it's probably going to get back to the, the U.S. government. So yeah, and I mean, I don't know. I mean, if, again, you go going back to Reddit, right? I mean, if if you really believe that cryptocurrency is this transformative, you know, say financial tool, then it's not as if like tax is just going to go away. Right. You know, it's going to adapt and it's going to figure out a way. And that's, I mean, that, that's why I think, I mean, like I said, like I said in the last podcast, the current commissioner, I mean, he's, he's a smart guy. I mean, he's, and he's a former, he's a, he was a former tax controversy attorney um, representing taxpayers for years and years and years. And so, I mean, this is kind of a modernization, I think of, of the, of the IRS. Um, and I, I just don't think it's going to go away. I mean, I think this, I mean, I really do think this is going to be years and years of this stuff. Absolutely. Especially, I mean, like you said, if we want crypto to be adopted and most people do, then it's going to have to be adopted under the legal rules of the United States and the world, I guess. I mean, the best thing that we can hope for is something like a de minimis exception. That'd be great. But you can't have your cake and eat it too, where they're just going to be like, okay, we're adopting crypto, we're getting rid of fiat, and there's no tax on crypto. That's never going to happen. Yeah. And I think like just from my own experience, like, you know, just dealing with, you know, having clients who are, um, and doing like a ton of phone calls with people, you know, kind of the, the person who's skeptical of whether there's actually going to be real tax compliance or the person who's just kind of, a um, like the person who I think who's really been supporting cryptocurrency for a lot of years. And there's a lot of Johnny come lately, you know, for sure, for sure. They're almost so protective of it and that no one else should be involved in it. I just think it's unrealistic that all of these, these major institutions are not going to kind of come and affect how cryptocurrency develops and how it's, you know, that there's not going to be regulation or it's not going to be tax. I mean, I just think it's, those days are gone. Yeah. You know, you're a hundred percent right because it's like a, a philosophical thing. Crypto stands for something and it does, but it's like, if you want that to be adopted, which again, I feel like most people do then it's going to be adopted under the rules of the United States tax code. And it's just unrealistic to think otherwise. I'm in total agreement with you there. Yeah. All right, Alex, thank you for being here today. I know a lot of people are definitely asking questions about these letters. I think you provided some really great information. Um, if somebody received one of these letters, or even if they didn't receive one of these letters and they're just worried, they can contact you for information or for a consultation about these letters. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. And what's the best way for somebody to reach out to you? Probably the best way is either a phone call or email. My phone number uh, for my office is 415-968-1780. Or you can email me at alex at kugelmanlaw.com, A-L-E-X at K-U-G-E-L-M-A-N-L-A-W.com. Okay, perfect. And we'll put those up on the website. We'll have all your uh, social media links and contact information up on the website. Um, again, thank you for, for talking to me today. Thanks. I'm sure our listeners really appreciate it and be sure to check out our new podcast website. It is talk.bitcoin.tax. You can find all of the past episodes as well as new episodes and summaries. Feel free to shoot us an email. If you'd like to request a guest, or if you'd like to be a guest on our show, you can subscribe to our show on iTunes or on Google play. And as always have a nice day, everybody.